Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 49 of the Hop Edition podcast. Today we are joined by the man that Tricky has been lusting after for many, many, many years by now. Uh, we're joined by Matt Dutton from Track Brewing. He's one of their brewers. So we're getting straight in there with the man on the meat grinder, so to speak. Um, before we say, say anything to Matt, before we get anything from Matt, lovely beard, by the way, Matt. That is proper top notch. Um, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor for the episode, Brewcake Tap. Uh, if you need anything uh, dispense-wise, anything kegland-wise, uh, or just generally anything keggy, uh, Brew Cake Tap is the place to go. Um, tell them that the Hop Edition sent you. They're really, really busy at the moment, so send them some more orders because that's just <laughs> what they need at this point in time. And as uh, Andy and me have said on many, many occasions, top-notch drip trays. Mm. Yeah. Um, also, big thanks to our Patreons. Uh, you know who you are. Um, a lot of you guys who've been with us since the start of the Patreon signing up, you will be receiving your goodie bags pretty soon. I'm keeping a close eye on that. So... If you're at three months of your Patreon, then you can expect a goodie bag in the post pretty soon, especially Darren Manspile, which is going to cost me about £400 to ship it to America. But we don't care because you're worth it, Darren. <laughs> um, other than that, keep doing what you're doing. And if you wish to join us as a Patreon on the podcast, it is www.patreon.com forward slash the Hop Edition podcast. We've got new T-shirts. And we've got Hold new on. T-shirts, which Owen's wearing. Oh, and and I've got a new hoodie, which is just behind me. Um, but I've been cooking tonight, so I'm not wearing mine because it got a big fat stain down the front of it from, you know, pizza. So, uh, yeah. Matt, welcome. Hey. How you Thanks doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. Um, yeah. Excited to talk, beer. Yeah, wicked. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about, man. <laughs> so before we do that, what we have on our podcast is we always do a little around the houses, what are you drinking? Now, in commemoration of the fact that we've got Track Brewing on, who is Tricky's favourite brewery, one of my favourite breweries in the UK, I know Owen loves their stuff, and Andy's getting right into their stuff as well. You know, dirty that he hadn't had it before, I'll be honest. As of as of today. Yeah. Oh, you just totally <laughs> grasped him up. Yeah. It's fine, it's fine. I'm on a journey like the rest of them. <laughs> So I think what Chris was trying to say before he decided to ruthlessly grass up Andy for not uh, buying any track beers before was that we're all going to be starting off with one of the cans that you very kindly sent through to us, Matt. So uh, many thanks for that. Really appreciated. They are all really strong, so I'm slightly worried you might be trying to kill us all. But other than that, some really great looking beers in there and uh, yeah, looking forward to trying them. But before we get into those, obviously it would be rude not to ask our guests, first of all, what are you drinking tonight matt i have uh got a can of uh half dome sharp pale ale straight off the canning line today so yeah uh no oh, dippers for me today <laughs> doesn't doesn't get any fresher than that right no it's the perks of the job it's uh, it's not bad yeah very good and uh, well, I mean, we we can we can go next in terms of what we're drinking because Andy, Tricky, and I are all drinking the same beer. And I say a big big thank you to Matt for um, 
uh, supplying the beer. So much appreciated. Uh, yeah, I've been very much no hooked up with uh, a nice case of beer, which has been no, great. Thanks very much. Yeah, really appreciate it. And um, so this is a this is a collab with uh, Cerebral Brewing. So I've not heard of Cerebral before, Matt. Where where are they where are they based? Where do they hail from? Uh, they're, they're out in Colorado, um, Denver, Colorado, and yeah. So we we did a brew with them in lockdown, where we did it over email because there was no traveling, and the guys were coming through uh, Manchester on the way to Whitplash's festival in Fidelity, uh, Fidelity rather. Uh, in Ireland, so we managed to get another collab in. Um, so yeah, th- th- this one's like uh, a totally new technique for us. Um, we used hops in the mash um, to to pack the beer with uh, thiols, and then we used a brand new yeast strain to the UK, uh, yeah. which is a yeast strain that has the ability to um, unlock the thiols and uh, produce like aroma compounds from it. Uh, uh, so, you, so you get this extra layer of like just, aromatics on top of the the hops. It's like cosmic um, punch, isn't it? Cosmic punch. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah so um, that yeah, was my lead into it. I was just just reading it off the can. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was going around uh, the hop suppliers that we have, saying, "Do you have something similar to cosmic punch, um, which is an omega yeast strain in the US?" Um, that that yeast strain is genetically modified, so we're not allowed to use it in the UK. So I was just trying to hunt down a UK equivalent, and um, just by luck, uh, our hops, of, oh. our yeast supplier WHC, who are out in Ireland, Philip over there, uh, was just working on this brand new pitch. So we got the we got the first pitch mm-hmm. out of him. Um, but yeah, we're we're brewing another one in this style this week. <laughs> try and dig into it a little bit more. Um, it's a really interesting way to get new aromatics in there. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we, we put like four grams a litre hops in the mash and then it's sort of counterintuitive. Then the more you dry hop it, the, the more you actually strip out the thiols again. So you have to dry hop it less and let the thiols do like a bit of the talking as well. But, um, yeah. I mean, I'm intrigued to see what else we can get out of it. It's the first time we've done it, like I say. Yeah, I remember, Matt, I was reading an article about someone who'd, who'd done this, uh, was experimenting with it. I can't remember if it was Scott Yanish or I can't remember yeah, what the article, article was. Yeah, and um, it, it really intrigued me. And then, of course, I went to check out Cosmic Punch and realised that you couldn't get it in the UK, so really interesting yeah, that WHC yeah. are now doing something uh, similar. And uh, mash yeah. hopping is obviously kind of a really interesting new thing. New thing that probably hasn't really come to prevalence yet. So interesting, you're experimenting with that. So we can't buy that even at homebrew scale, or is it just that it's not here yet? Is I'm not familiar with whether the whole GM thing is a ban on sort of all products that can be used or or not whether it's just in commercial setting i don't know (laughs) not sure i'm not isn't it just broadly gm stuff is banned in the uk uk yeah i think so but i I take it one of the issues with mash hopping is then you can't actually use the spent grain for uh, to cattle or anything like that because then it's now got hops through it 
Yeah, so um so what we actually did, we we got some um we had some like big muslin stocking. Um it's actually for butchers what they'd wrap mm-hmm. meat in. But um big tube stocking, so we make these big sacks and then we just chuck them in middle of the mash. And so we were able to pull pull most of that out. Um yeah, yeah. So I, I think we avoided That's it. Cool. I think we avoided it. Yeah. Um so so we've been quite familiar with a beer that uses a lot of Citra and Idaho 7 recently um, for okay. the stuff we were doing down at Unity. But this has obviously got Rewaka in it as well. And yeah. I mean, Andy was talking about this just before we kind of went live and sort of say that, mm. you know, the Rewaka's really sort of punching through it's, on that. It's, the, it's a dominator, um, yeah. Is that because it's sort of the main hop in there or is it just because Rewaka's quite pokey? I mean, I've, I've always found it to be quite uh, a, yeah full-on hop yeah. flavor-wise. I think uh, Citra took the lead in it. And um, yeah, I don't think Ruaka was a huge component as in it was maybe like 25% or something like that. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like Ruaka's, like we've used it a few times, but I struggled to put, pull it out because um, I find Idaho so like aggressive as well oh, and sort of like dominating. Grapefruit. Um, it's grapefruit. Pink yeah, grapefruit. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. I it's, find. it's a beautiful um, beer. I've heard people describe uh, Ruaka as like frazzles. Mm. I, I, I'm not getting frazzles on it myself, but yeah. Frazzles? <laughs> yeah, frazzles. Like, I'm I not getting frazzles. frazzles. What's that? Bacon frazzles or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys do go pretty heavy on the New Zealand hops, though. Uh, is that um, just because you love New Zealand hops a lot? or? Um... Um, yeah, f- I mean, for us, um, they're quite a new toy. Um, we struggled to get them, and then uh, last year we got a good chunk, and then this year we got we got plenty. So um, we've been starting to play a bit more um, without being so sort of careful, not careful with them, but, you know, before we would just select a few beers to put them in, and that would be it all gone. This year we've had enough to, that we can, like, experiment more and just do single hop Nelson or, or you know, we've done, we done a whole bunch of single hop, like, varieties like that. Um, but yeah, we really enjoy them to get that tropical fruit thing coming through more. Um, yeah, it definitely um, seemed like you guys were enjoying the uh, last year's Nelson harvest as much as most of us were. Um, cause, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, I, I noticed yeah. there was quite a lot of beers you had that were, were featuring that quite, quite a lot. And, yeah, uh, it was tasting great. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, that and Motueka and Nelson's a great hop. Yeah, it's so good. Um, Hmm. Yeah. So so we're just waiting on our new um Well keep playing with the Rakow, mate, and you'll keep taking <laughs> okay, my Okay, okay. Personal favourite. What do you get? What sort of flavours do you get out of Rakow? You get like peach notes or like stone fruit or anything or it it's 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 a strange one because I tend to get um I do get quite a lot of peach, I get a little bit of apricot, but I tend to get quite a strong lime okay. flavour out of yeah. it. Uh and weirdly enough, kind of um Almost like a mandarin orange kind of tangerine kind of oh, flavour okay. comes through yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, which I find if you pair it with something like Motawaker or with something like Wakatu, it, it tends to even accentuate the citrus even yeah. more. And it just kind of makes for a much more much more citrusy beer. It's just a really nice yeah. beer. No, nah, cool. We're yet to do a single hop with it, but it, it might happen. Yeah. 
When you do, yeah, let yeah. me know. No worries. Twelve cans my way. <laughs> there was there was a period of time, wasn't it, Ruaka, that that was just it practically impossible to get hold of. Like there was a yeah. good couple of years yeah, where I'm... it was just like it was it was like no, nah, you're not getting any Ruaka. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's kind of like thirty percent more expensive than anything else. It's it's by far the most expensive hop we, we buy. Um, but, really? Yeah. That's interesting. And, yeah. and does it? Do, do you feel like it justifies that kind of that price tag versus like <laughs> some of the other hops? Um, you think? Not, not really. No, not really. No. But you've got to buy. It. You've got to try it out first before you make your decisions, right? So, so yeah, we took a load of it, and it, it's good. It's good, but just is it head and shoulders above everything else? I think Nelson's still better. You know. Yeah, I think Nelson's king. What about Galaxy? Yeah. What's your thoughts I mean, on Galaxy, uh, Matt? I like, yeah, I like it. Um, I think you have to. Uh, it's it's really super aggressive, right? And um, and so you you kind of need to go into it knowing that. And maybe we try and shorten down the hop contact time. Maybe put it in at the end of dry hop rather than letting it sit there for as long as everything else. Um, just because you well, we know it's going to punch through on our beers, and we're just trying to kind of rein it in and get that softer profile rather than the too astringent, harsh thing it can do. Um, yeah, do you tend to do you tend to always use it cold side rather than hot side? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, we only use it in on the cold side, and then we kind of have this thing that if we're doing like. So we've done a few single hops with Galaxy and, uh, you know, our hop suppliers are going, oh, you're not putting anything else in there? Like, you might want to, you know, blend that out with something else. Like, no, we'll we'll do it on its own, but we'll split it into two parts and we'll do maybe two-thirds dry hop like we always do at the end of fermentation. And then we leave it two days. And then just as we crash it to zero, we'll throw the rest of the dry hop in. And sort of try and get like a lighter, higher, sort of zestier note from it. Um, and, and we do that quite a lot with our single hop stuff to try and build some layers of flavor and aroma in there. So it's not just like one dimensional, you know. Um, but yeah, trying to rain, hold, hold yeah. Galaxy back yeah, a little okay. bit That's cool. as best we can. Yes. Yeah, so it's almost like you, you're reducing not so much the contact time, but the temperature and contact time so you yeah. pick up a certain oil kind of thing and then lock it in yeah yeah you're gonna get some oils from it but um cool uh galaxy and and Vic secret uh both have like huge um cumulone levels um and that's one of the components that gives you this like really you know throat ripping aggressive nature so any, anything which has got that high mm. cumulone, we try and keep keep it down, either the quantities down or the contact time down. Um, and then, yeah, as, from an efficiency point, the colder you dry hop, the less you'll get out of the hops. So, you know, you sort of tempering it back a little bit. Mm. That's some, uh, some good information for our listeners right there. Um, so, yeah, uh, I said everybody's been through their beers, haven't they? Yeah, I'm uh, nearly ready to next drink the next one. I think actually, yeah, I'm, I'm already <laughs> on to the yeah. next one. I'll that, be honest that with you. That dip has not lasted long. The, the danger of starting on the dip yeah, is, is already becoming apparent, minute. isn't it? That was a 15 minute dipper. 
Wow. So, oh. good drinkability. Yeah. Matt, come on then. Tell us the story of track brewing and your personal story, your history. Let's let's mm-hmm. delve into okay. you as a man. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, uh, we'll, we'll start with track. Um, it's uh, owned and founded by uh, Sam Dyson. He he started it in 2014. Um, he'd. He graduated university. He went to London to do a sensible job, and um, he didn't enjoy it so much. So he ended up going traveling and um, did a cycle ride across America on the West Coast. Um, and whilst he was out there, he just like f- fell in love with craft beer and fell in love with the brew pubs on the West Coast and the community behind it, and um, really engaged with it. Um, so when he came back to the UK, he uh, got some brewing experience did a short spell in camden um way way back like must have been 20 i don't know 2012 something like that um he stuck that out for 18 months and then decided he wanted to do his own thing and he um moved back up to manchester to find a, a space for a brewery his family um are all pretty close to manchester so he felt that was a, a good spot to go and set something up um so he he founded Track on his own in 2014, and he was he was brewing, he was doing the accounts, he was delivering complete one man band, doing the whole thing. Um, at which point I was working in bars and had been for ten years or so. Um, I was an operations manager, buying the beer in, so I was emailing Sam, you know, saying I want some more more Sonoma, please. And then when he brought it in, I'd just be chatting beer with him and asking him how it's going. Uh, I'd been homebrewing for about five years at that point. So I, w- I was doing okay. You know, I, I was producing some good beer and, oh, wow. and just like p- picking his brains on like how to make my beer better. And eventually um, I just asked him if he needed any help, basically. You know, you, you, you're a one-man band. Do you need any help? And he said, yeah. So I just started one day a week. Um, that was when track was maybe a year old. Um, the week I started, we got our third FV, you know, um, and we only did cask. Uh, so yeah, I did, I did one day a week at track and, uh, Sam was super good. He let me brew every single shift I was there. Um, cause that gave him the time to go in the office and do the accounts and do all the other things, which he, he knew as a business owner, he needed to do. Um, so yeah, he, he let me brew by the end of that first year, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd done my, my, my own first beer. He'd let me do a recipe and put stuff out. Um, and then I went, I went full time from there. So I was first full time employee at the brewery and, um, that was about seven years ago. Um, so yeah, uh, there you go. It, yeah, it was kind of. Um, what is it kind of look kind of readiness meets opportunity do they say where like he needed somebody I'd been at my job for so long that I was ready to to move on to something else and um, you know it's good I I always like getting involved in companies which are growing rather than declining it's far more fun to be in a company that's you know on the up Uh, and he that's exactly what he was doing he was just smashing it his beer was like as, as far as I was concerned, it was some of the best in Manchester. Um, so, yeah, um, 
for me personally, like I said, I'd been homebrewing for five years. Um, I was working in a bar, buying buying beer for the bar. Um, it was sort of a student bar that did cocktails and cask ale. And then we fitted some guest keg lines and we had a, maybe 150 different bottles in the fridges. Um, I kind of shoehorned it in, but um, we, you know, it was at that point of craft beer where um, the UK was exploding. Magic Rock had just come out. Um, y- you know, Cloudwater cloud water wasn't a thing yet. It was still in that sort of just bubbling under phase. Brewdog had just been, you know, starting to happen. Uh, and, it, and it was exciting. So, um, yeah, in my fifth year of homebrewing, basically, I, I was, had uh, all grain system with three um, steel kegs as vessels. Uh, I had, what did I have? Like a little Blickman hop rocket, hop back, had some pumps, had a heat exchanger for chilling it. I'd kind of like over-engineered it to the point where I can't make my beer any better because I'm still in my cellar. You know, I need something more. Um, so at that point I convinced myself to enter some competitions for the first time. Um, cause it was kind of like either you're going to do something or you're not. And I didn't have any awards. I didn't, you know, I, I had nothing to back myself up really. So I entered three competitions that year. Um, the first one was uh, Craft Beer Co. in London. Andy Parker had just won the year before. Uh, and he won like five grand and basically started um, <laughs> his brewery down in Reading off the back of that. And I was like, wow. So you can go from home brewing to starting something. That's amazing. So I entered Craft Beer Co., didn't do great, you know, pretty middle of the road, did the usual thing. Well, my usual thing of I'll enter two beers, which are like designed for the competition. And I'll throw in a couple of these bottles that I've got, which I haven't yet drunk because maybe I don't like them. I'm not sure. I've just not drunk them. So let's put them in. And um, yeah, so I, I, I did that and I, I did okay. And I did the same thing at the next competition. And um, my Imperial Stout, which I hadn't drunk, it was 18 months old actually won stout and then won the whole competition which was pretty weird nice um, but um that was uh it, it was it was interesting to see it so it's a it was a brew dog competition at their bar in manchester and um i'd entered the the beer into the craft beer co one and rich burhouse from magic rock had been a judge at the at the event and he just wrote on it you know quite nice stout but possible brett infection um, and I was like, oh, I don't really understand what Brett is, but yeah, okay, I'll read up on this. Six months later, you put it into the next competition. And I just put it in as Bretted Imperial Stout. And then everyone's like, we're really enjoying it um, because uh, you know, they knew what to expect. <laughs> and so three months after that, I entered it into the National Homebrew Competition. Again, with other beers, which I brewed intentionally for the competition. But yeah, I'll throw that stout in because I've still not drunk it all. And it won best in show um, as an Imperial Brett Stout, uh, which is pretty, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm not, you know, 2015 National Homebrew Champion by, de- you know, by default. I mean, it wasn't by design. Um, but yeah, since then I had to unpick the recipe, unpick where the Brett came from and like force myself to produce it again to the same thing. So like, you know, understand the faults, understand where they've come from and then be able to replicate it. 
and I managed to do it pretty pretty easily. Um, I'd brewed a Flanders red the day before. That was my issue. Cleanliness is uh-huh. uh, always a nightmare <laughs> okay. as a home. <laughs> well, Brett, Brett is a real <clears throat> a real bugger to get rid of, isn't it? It's hard. I've been yeah, trying really to insult hard. him yeah. out of our group for a while. He's still there. <laughs> he's, he's still hanging around. <laughs> That's yeah. got to be the best example of using judges' feedback to your advantage that I've ever heard. So kind of, kind of a happy, <laughs> happy accident then, Matt. A happy accident, yeah. Um, but, you know, that gave me the... It, it did give me the confidence to be like, okay, you know, well, I've replicated it. I know how to do what I did. Uh, gave me the confidence to be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's have a go at brewing. Let's let's email Sam and, you know, see, yeah, what opportunities are out there. Um, yeah, the, I had a few friends who'd, who'd gone from bar work to brewing. And so I knew it was possible, but um, it was one of the, I mean, I was 35 maybe at the time. I'd quite, I had a mortgage, I'd quite a w- well-paid job. It was definitely going to be, a, okay. you know, a, a labor of love. You know, I wasn't doing it for the money. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, it was mega. It was, it was really good. Um, yeah, I managed to jump over to the brewery and get in there as the team grew. Um, so yeah, sort of amazing to be able to learn as the brewery learns, if you like. Um, just out of curiosity, right. yeah, Matt, so- I'll, I'll jump in when there's... Just out of pure curiosity, um, what was your background before you went into bars? Did you do anything scientific at university or anything like that? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, fine art. Um, I'm yeah, out. See you later, so boys. I, I did it. <laughs> at least, at least yeah. you went to university. So, hats yeah, off to you. Yeah, I, I did... I, I did fine creative. art. In, it, yeah, creative. It was like problem solving. Um, so I did, uh, it was called uh, interactive art, um, but under the fine art category. So it was everything which isn't traditional fine art. So it wasn't painting, sculpture, uh, dance. It was multimedia stuff, animation, um, sound recording, um, that sort of stuff. But it was all self-taught. So it just ultimately it helped me to be creative and to problem solve. Um, came out of university and did three years in a supermarket. Uh, <laughs> the, fi- the fine art didn't go any further than that. I was going to uh, say that's pretty standard for somebody with an art degree, though, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. Un- un- unless you're going to be a really good artist, it's difficult. I mean, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way or anything. I just mean that the jobs when you've got because f- the principal of our college. She's actually got a degree and a master's in fine art, but she's principal of literally the top six form college in the country. So you know, she's doing pretty well. Yeah. yeah. And an interesting, interesting matter that you kind of related back to kind of some key skills that obviously help you in brewing in terms of creativity and problem solving, right? Because those two things are ultimately fundamental to kind of brewing. It's, it's, science meets art isn't it yeah exactly exactly um yeah i do have quite a technical mind like uh being able to fix things with my hands and things like that but yeah it's problem solving on the job isn't it brewing really um you're fixing things on the fly yeah and then and then maybe you brew a beer and it's not 
what what you wanted and then you then there's a different problem solving where you have to go back historically and try and figure it out before the next time but um yeah yeah so i i I didn't realize track had been going quite as long as um long as it has um yeah how long have you been head brewer um uh i don't know uh, I guess that for, as a as a title, maybe three or four years. I've probably been writing the recipes for five or six. Um, yeah, something around that. Um, such a small team that we don't really, you know, especially at the start, it seemed very little point in having titles because you're kind of doing everything, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, I could have been head brewer, but I'd be head of myself sort of thing. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, probably three, four years um, with, with a team behind me. Um, we're up to f- six people in production now, um, which is still kind of small. Uh, and our brew kit is pretty manual. Um, it's not, there's no real automation there. Um, so it's, it's hands on. But but that's from from you know my experience. That's what I know to do. That's you know I know how to brew in that style. It's very much kind of like a big homebrew kit. Yeah, um, just very oversized. Um, we, we looked at having like when we so we just expanded uh, maybe two years ago, and we looked into getting like a German brew house with a lot of ton and more more like uh, computer aided sort of brewing. Um, but it's not how I know how to brew and it's not really what excites me. I still like to be quite physical and on the brew kit and, and, you know, moving valves and moving beer around. So yeah. Give it, give it a few more years, Matt. Well, this is it. I said to him, I'm not getting any younger. Just make it dig itself out. You know, I don't, I don't want to dig the mash tonight. <laughs> um, but o- otherwise <laughs> yeah. I want to be around. If you can, if you can automate that. I'm not being funny, fella. <laughs> yeah, that's that, why you get a white yes. That's why you get a YTS. <laughs> you don't do that shit yourself. Yeah. yeah. Outsource. Yeah, outsource well, that shit. Mm, yeah. yeah. YTS. <laughs> <laughs> is that the youth? Youth training scheme. Youth training scheme. <laughs> get somebody in who's 15, pay him 14 quid a day and get dig that shit out. <laughs> There's the shovel. There's get inside the, the tongue. Yeah. So it's really interesting to hear that... Um, when you first started out, it was kind of all cask. Is that is that right? That you yeah. you said that it was all cask yeah, yeah. originally. Um, so I know that obviously, like the Sonoma goes out on cask, doesn't it? But like, how much of the business is still cask based now? Because um, it's quite unusual, isn't it, for you know sort of craft breweries, I guess, to be yeah pushing their beers out yeah. in that format. Um, for the first th- first three years, I think it was just just cask, and then we started doing a little bit of keg. Um, where we've got to now. Basically, by yeah, let me see. We got to a point where we love making cask, but it doesn't really make much money, and it's really labor intensive to do it. So we just got to this point where we want to continue making it, but it's not part of the business model. We would have to be huge to make enough money off that to run the business. So we basically do one batch of Sonoma a month at the minute. And it probably equates to maybe uh, 25% of our output. And that's the only one that we cask at the minute. 
Um, we do a handful of other casks that go into our tap room, but literally just enough to, to service a tap room. Is a majority of that Sonoma cask, does it just go into Manchester? Is it predominantly kind of a Manchester-like legendary cask beer? Um, yeah, yeah. Definitely historically it's all been into Manchester. We, we are getting a bit more out into London and a little bit further afield now, but um, not masses, not masses. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a staple on the Manchester sort of uh, beer boards for, for quite some time now. Um. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. I'll um, I'll, I'll, I'll email you my address, and you can get one done. So that okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'd, I, I, I'm, I'm conscious of the time. I just want to kind of, I want to push this forward. So I want to talk about what shaped your beer style, what makes them unique, and I think it's safe to say that you know, to coin a musical phrase, Sonoma would be your dancing queen of a beer. <laughs> um it is your it is your biggest hit it's the one thing that a lot of us brewers and especially those of you who are in my particular sort of sphere of who i talk to and i don't talk to a lot of people it's probably the the beer that we know the most from you guys um so what is it that shaped sonoma because obviously there's a lot that's gone into developing the beer and it does have from my taste buds and my memory of the beer it does have quite a unique flavor it does have quite a unique kind of selling point in its flavor its drinkability i mean for god's sake we've got somebody who's sitting who you can see on video right now who's desperately trying to clone it okay (laughs) and this this is one of those beers that you can sit down you can smash a bunch of these beers out it's a great beer but what is it that made you go down that route is it purely the drinkability and the smashability or is it a very specific thing within the flavor of the beer that you just hit and you thought we're staying there that's good um yeah so sonoma was um the third third beer that sam brewed um when he started the brewery third beer he brewed and he, he just nailed it he nailed it um and yeah, like I was saying, I, I was buying it for my bars and I thought it was, it's, it's bang on like th- at 3.8, like you say, you can drink so much, but it's also got some hop expression to it. It's, it's, you know, fresh and sort of like, you know, hoppy. Um, but yeah, you can, you can sit and have a good few. Um, that used to be my test as a, as a home brewer. If I could drink four glasses of the same beer back to back, then it's probably pretty good. Um, but yeah, so so when I came into the brewery, I was like, well, don't touch that. I'm not touching that recipe because that's perfect. And for the, you know, the last seven years, it's been how do we keep Sonoma the same as, as the yeast and hops and malt have all changed? You know, how do we um, keep it, you know, in line where it needs to be? Um, so yeah, it, it kind of like as a, as a recipe, it's kind of like a little mini West coast pale ale, I think. Um, but maybe not so bitter, maybe, you know, the bitterness is wound down. Um, um, how's the clone, how's the clone coming along? Who's, who's doing a clone? Uh, well, there's a, there's a few iterations of it that I've, I've tried to go through so far. Okay. So I feel like it's, um, it's in the ballpark, but it's definitely not. <laughs> it's definitely not nailed on yet. If, if you want mm-hmm. to share with Tricky any pointers, we're not asking specifically for a recipe, but yeah. don't don't 
don't feel like you have to share them live now. Feel free to share them offline. Right. Um, we obviously don't want to be giving away industrial secrets or anything, but <laughs> just, just yeah, when he least. reads you his, when he reads his recipe out, just tell him how shit it is and how far away it is, and we'll just leave it. At I that mean, one, to be cause... fair, all, all the ingredients were pretty much out there as public knowledge, which was great. It was just the uh, yeah, yeah, trying to put them in the right order and quantities that was the challenge. So yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting. Obviously, I think I guess that three point eight percent. ABV has kind of come from it starting as a cask beer, but when it then went into kegs and cans, was it just straight in as the same recipe or did you change it up at all to, for the different formats or does it just work as a different, the same beer, but a bit different in the the different packaging? No, it's a good question. It's a good question. Um, Cause I, I remember thinking as a home brewer, like, yeah, I wonder what you do. I wonder if you change it for going into a keg. I wonder, you know, how, whether you change the recipe at all. And I asked a few brewers and they said, no, no, we don't. So when we came to do this, uh, I was thinking, yeah, we should. Let's do it. Um, Because I think, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I think um, the average cask drinker has a different um, sort of previous idea as to what the beer is going to be like compared to an average can drinker. I think can drinkers these days expect maybe a bit more juiciness and a bit more body... um, you know, which being pulled through a hand pull, you get body from the sparkler, and uh, well, if you're if you're up north, you do. Um, whereas though in a can, it, carbonation can sometimes strip that out and be a bit spiky. Um, so ultimately, you know, with Sonoma, we 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 switched the water profile completely. We turned it on its head, shall we say, uh, and we used a different yeast. And we increased the hopping rate because we felt that the can drinker expected more um, than than maybe the the, the cascale guy. Um, but on paper, it's the same, the same you know percentages and and, and balance of ingredients, bar that dry hop, which is a little bit more beefy. So would I be right in assuming that you're sort of? higher sulfate to chloride on the cask and flipped around for the can version yeah 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 exactly that you just in my head i was thinking in my in my head i was thinking how do i create recreate that sort of creamy cascale mouthfeel in a can well what i'm describing is a new england ipa right you know what i'm describing is a soft pillowy Mm -hmm. fluffy beer so it's kind of like, oh yeah, m- maybe we try that. Um, yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. Happy, happy to talk Sonoma offline on, on you know, fine tune your cloning. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, awesome. I have, to, I have to say, Matt, the trick is sitting there. He was at the start of this podcast. He's like, I have a dream. The dream is <laughs> I'm going to be able to talk to the man from track. <laughs> Who's gonna who's gonna pass it over to me and at the end he's gonna say, I do, I do, I do, I do it this way. That's that's yeah. basically what Tricky's idea was. And uh yeah, I I think that you've just made a man very, very happy. Well, it's just little tidbits, you know, little tidbits of information, but um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Matt, you just or you all you gotta do is yeah. just put, put the bumpers up on the uh, on the bowling Just send us a brief other fail. You know, he'll do the rest. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, that's all yeah, he needs. Just help him out. He just needs to not gut a ball it again. Yeah, that's it. 
That's it. But no, I think, yeah, no, just one point, sorry, Chris, is, is um, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of the cast versus can drinker. I think like can drinkers clearly like they want it, they want more punch to their beer. I think you kind of yeah clearly like the average cast drinker is looking for something different to your average person buying cans directly from the from the brewery. I think so. Yeah. It's interesting to hear that you kind of took ignored the advice you got given and and took a different route. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> it's very cool. Because I've, I've heard Pete was that they they try and dry out the casks as well. So instead of having a, a higher finishing gravity, they go for a slightly lower in cask. Okay. So that it, it dries out I mean, that, a little that bit. That would be more an impact well. to the water chemistry being swapped around, I guess, as well. The mm. higher sulfate might add that slight drier finish a bit too, as well, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's like that's how you can change it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's weird with um, so with our lower ABV beers, uh, regardless of how we're going to dispense them. We like we shoot for quite a high finishing gravity, and to try and pack some body in there. Try the the aim with Sonoma mm-hmm. and like maybe our table beers and things like that is they yeah. should drink like a four percent or a five percent beer as much as we can make them. You know, uh, not too thin, not too too um, yes thin really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's got pretty high finishing gravity um, for a beer of that style. So how do you how do you go about that? Um, how do you do you tend to go for like a higher mash temperature or thicker mash or how do you do that? Uh, yeah, we just we just mash really high. Um, we mash really high. So I found when I was home brewing that you'd get books and all the books are about traditional styles and nothing was really talking about the beer that I was drinking. So your your most textbooks will say you can mash between sixty five and seventy maybe Celsius. Um, we found you can mash a lot higher than that, uh, and lower than that. Um, and it's still, you know, it might not be commercially as efficient with the malt, but as a home brewer, that doesn't really matter. And at the scale we're at, we've never worried about that. Really, it's kind of always been let's just make the best beer we possibly can in that tank, and then we'll figure out, you know, the financials afterwards. Basically, um, so yeah, yeah, we mash really high. Um, so, what what temperature are you mashing at for a for a a light pail? Um, so, so, Sonoma would be around seventy two, and the table beer is a little higher. I'll let you try that. Um, seventy two. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. surprising. Um, I mean, to be fair, I knew I knew you mashed really high for the table beer because I've um, done a clone kit from uh, one of the home brew companies that I, I know actually okay, got yeah. the recipe directly from you. Um, yeah. And yeah, that was that was re- that was like the highest I'd ever mashed any sort of beer um, ever yeah. <laughs> uh, in that kind of style. Um, but yeah, I didn't realize you were sort of similar or not too far away for Sonoma as well. Not so. Th- yeah, That's not miles away. Another, not miles away. another part of the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, my um, my house pale ale that I make, I ma- I mashed that at seventy one. Yeah, which yeah. which normally I aim. It was actually inspired by Cloud Water beer. They did that run of like um, pale ales, which came in at about three point nine percent. Probably very similar to Sonoma, and kind of. 
the only way you're going to get a finishing gravity that's going to give you that mouthfeel is by mashing a light that temperature and it does work it's it's a really great built way of getting like a a really low abv beer that that still has body to it that's, that doesn't finish at like you know 1004 you know and then it's just basically like drinking water hoppy water <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I've had some beers from breweries that I could name that have basically just been hopping. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> We've all had them, to be fair. Um, anyway, just I, I appreciate all the technicalities, but again, I'm conscious of the time because it is now it's nine o'clock and we are two questions into <laughs> so good. Uh, well, basically, <laughs> call it twelve questions. So let's uh, let's move on. So. The question, I think I can pretty much answer this for you with Sonoma probably being your biggest selling beer. Yeah. But when you do your Wakatu and Rakow beer, which you're clearly going to do having spoken to me, and you're going to name it I Dream of Fernando, <laughs> because obviously that is, the, that is the proper name for it. But what is your biggest selling beer? And just how much, purely, this is from a personal perspective, given they're absolutely huge, you know the gold top series that you guys do. How many of those do you actually sell? I d- I'm not talking specific numbers, but in a comparison with something like Sonoma, what's the kind of what's the trade off as to how much of those you actually sell in comparison? Um, yeah, yeah, Sonoma by far our um, biggest selling beer. It's the only beer we do which is always in tank. It's the only one we do which is constantly going. Um, so yeah, that's always there. That's got to be oh probably coming up to nearly forty percent of our output, maybe maybe fifty percent. Um, and then gold tops, yeah, they they've been fun. Um, we we've been trying to do maybe one a month. Um, but the smaller tanks, we have three different sizes of tanks, so we can play around. I don't know, okay. maybe like ten percent of of our output. Um. They received really well. Uh, so um, I wasn't mm, yeah tricky and Owen drinking by the gallon. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're, we're trying to we're trying to play it across the board not and do quite. not not quite by the gallon. <laughs> we're trying to play it across the board and do um, some dippers with lactose, some without, and be able to cater for for everyone. Um, and 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 to the same extent. Do some some people say you know a milkshake IPA is a bit gimmicky or whatever, and to counterbalance that, we'll do a perfectly uh, to style Hellas or West Coast IPA, which is pin bright and bitter, and you know we try to play it across the board and and have a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, I th- think for me, like the Gold Tops, although it is technically a milkshake IPA, <clears throat> I think you've nailed the amount of lactose that goes into it. <laughs> like it's not. <clears throat> It, although it's classified as a milkshake IPA because it's got lactose in it, I don't think when you drink it, you go, oh, that's a milkshake IPA. It's just, it's a yeah, double sure. IPA that has just an extra little bit of sweetness and an extra little bit of body. It just makes it, for me, like it, it, it just takes the beer to a slightly different height. And that's yeah. kind of yeah, what, I get that. What, it, what it's about, really, for me. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it. It's more about just 
adding that slightly thicker body and maybe juicing up the hops for want of a better word to uh you know rather yeah. than making it sort of sickly sweet or yeah milkshakey whatever that means but i mean yeah, yeah, I, yeah obviously the gold top name sort of references the the you know lactose milkshakey thing but it's not the they're not outright marketed as milkshake you know dippers anyway yeah, yeah. are they so yeah. i think that's um yeah because in my yeah. in my opinion milkshake ipas should just die they should just <laughs> <laughs> they should just fuck off <laughs> right but are you talking about the ones with like a fruit addition in and yeah or they just they just have way too much lactose and it's like it's just disgustingly sweet you know that those can just disappear right and i think for the most part they have i'm not sure that's really it gets to the point where it's starting to resemble like a petty falou and you just think no this is not this is not the one with with alcohol in it no an alcoholic petty falou delicious yeah but no you're nailing it matt on the gold tops in my humble opinion well done cheers cheers you, you you talk about an alcoholic petty falou being a bad thing, but I can guarantee I could name probably fifteen people right now who would drink that and tell me it's the greatest thing ever brewed. Well, I'll tell you what: if you leave leave it in the fridge for a month after the best before date, you kind of get the same effect anyway. Like the f- fizzy petty falou is a experience that any, anyone with kids will have tried that at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you, Oscar will try just about anything. Normally, without me noticing, because he just nicks the damn stuff. All right, um, Matt, okay. I'm going in. I'm going yeah. in to. Co- I'm going nice. in to come on nice. in. So I've been drinking the uh, um, Discovery One because okay, I'm, yeah. I'm on the I'm on the dipper train. Uh, so there's there's obviously yeah. a couple yeah, of yeah, uh, yeah. Um, experimental new new hot breeding company. Uh, or no, sorry, it's the same one, but it's a Cryo and a T90 version and Strata. But this is just like I mean, this is definitely more in the sort of bitter bitterer dipper kind of yeah, style yeah. for you guys but it's it's this just like is when i first tasted it, it was pure orange juice to me i don't know if anyone else got that <laughs> sort of effect but massive it's just massive that, it's orangey piney sort of um yeah uh thing coming off the base that mm. another really good really good beer what, what did you think about the, the new hop that's in this one matt um yeah I, w- I was loving it uh it's the first time we've used it um it, it's equilibrium who we did the collab with suggested we, we should try it out um and yeah it's really uh i get like mango off it and orange juice like you say um yeah my, my question to them when they were they were saying oh this is this new new hop coming through you should try it and my only question to them was do you think we could do a single hop with it because I think if you can do a single hop with a with a hop, then it must be pretty good. Like I was fearful for another Sabro. You know, I'm I'm not a fan of Sabro, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's totally not. It's 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 really good, really tropical um, mango <laughs> orange juice. Um, yeah, yeah. So we contracted off the back of that beer. We've contracted more for next year. Um, yeah, hopefully they'll give it a name. It's not you it's, know. It's a- is that, is, I was going to say, have they named it yet? I guess obviously they haven't yet. Which, which H- HBC no, is it, no. Tricky? It's uh, 586. 586. Yeah. 586, okay. So that's Yakima Chief. But it's even in cryo. I mean, oh yes, we, we know do. a man who could tell us Robbie. what that hop is, don't we? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a word with Robbie. 
Um, I'd just like to say to everybody who's currently on the chat, for those of you who are Nipah boys who don't normally drink a West Coast, come on in. Take a chance on me. This is a good beer. This is a very, very good beer. The bitterness, the bitterness is not in your face. And the flavour that like the the hop expression, the the punch of the hops is really there. You can feel it. It's kind of it really comes through and it's it's in a good way, it's coating on the tongue. But it's 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 got a real depth of flavour this compared to most Westies, which are just punch you in the throat with bitterness and then slap you around the chops a bit and walk away. This has got a lot of complexity Chris, to this beer. Have you been listening beer. to Amber? before the podcast there's, there's been a lot of abba quotes i'm not sure what's going on there no I've, i'm i've got a bet going with the boys in the chat that there's certain song titles that take i've got chance, to get take in a chance, take a chance take a chance take a chance yeah that's what it is but seriously give this one yet. a pop it's a bloody good beer Incidentally, it's £42 for the, I believe it's called the Session Pack on Track's website. Well worth a punt. No, I've had two of them no, so far, no, very good no. beers. You see, this is what you can expect yeah. when you come on our podcast, Matt. <laughs> we will drink your beers and we will tell people the if they're good. The are insane. Cheers, man. Yeah, I'm still enjoying Green Lantern, I'm but it, I'll be honest, it's a big it, old it's beast. A, it's this a one. beastly beer. Um, it's... It is it's good, a tough one. You got to chew your way through that. You need a knife. But I feel left out. Well, I want to try the. I want to drink the one yeah. Tricky and Andy are drinking now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it is insane. I think that was actually. Next. I'm just. I'm flying through it. No bother. But then I feel like you and at the end of a pod where I'm starting Swaying to in the chair already <laughs> glowing. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting. Are, I'm getting are you getting that like pure breakfast juice like vibe off of it as well? <laughs> oh, though, yeah. It's... Yeah, it is actually insane. Yeah, Discovery One. Oh, I say, I say the the one beer that I, I I drank and just got pure orange juice off in the past was um, one more PSI from Verdant, and that was just insane orange juice, out and out, just full on. Uh, yeah. and it was incredible. So I'm pretty excited to beer. try this. Um, Try this track beer and see if I can yeah, recreate that experience. It's good. No, I think there's um, I think there's some real bangers coming out of uh, track at the minute. And I mean, I don't spend. I'm tight Yorkshireman. I know that you're the wrong side of the Pennines, Matt, but I'm a tight Yorkshireman. And to be fair, I don't mind sending some money to Manchester as long as I get my VAT reimbursed. Cause I'm buying from abroad. Jimmy, you know. It, it's it's great. I, I'm very, very happy with it. So we've got a load of questions about the beers and why it's popular. It's pretty obvious why Sonoma's popular. It's an absolute banger. Uh, and the progression of the recipe, Matt's just <laughs> yeah. told us, yeah. there wasn't any. <laughs> you hit it right first time, you've done it right, so, so why change it? So maybe it? we can flip that one around and say, sort of, how does your recipe development work on other stuff? Like, is it just straight in? With... I was going to... Okay. I was just about to ask about the dippers. Well, I'm sorry if I cut in, Chris. Do please some, finish. Some... <laughs> Hold on, guys. Well, Hold you on. know, if Hold you on. shut up and give me half a chance to talk. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it's just... Because I've noticed with the dippers, I do keep an eye on I don't drink them personally because, you know, tight. But um, it's more... How do you know how the hot pairings are going to work? How do you know 
when you come up with a recipe for one of these dippers, especially with the hopping, where you're going to hop through the brew and whereabouts, and especially with what you've just told us about the dry hop timings and stuff like that, is it purely experience that lets you know how you're going to do it? Or is it simply the individual hops, how they've behaved in other beers, and you just simply apply that to a um, new recipe? Yeah. Uh, basically, all our hazies, um, ultimately, they have pretty much no kettle hops at all. So that's an easy decision. Um, literally a, a handful for, you know, in, in the start of the boil. And then we, uh, they all get whirlpooled at 80 degrees. And there's, there's different ranges of, of, of hopping rate there. Um, but generally we'll, we'll fall on something which is a bit tried and trusted. You know, like say Citra, I feel like you could put Citra anywhere in a beer and it'd be fantastic. Um, you know, that's fine for a whirlpool. I probably wouldn't put Galaxy in there because it's too aggressive. Um, we use Idaho quite a lot. We use Racal quite a lot in the whirlpool. Um, so you sort of go in on experience there. And then, yeah, with, with the dry hop, it's kind of just trying to figure out from memory what might play well together. Um, from, you know, drinking them in previous beers, what hops you think are going to go. But um, ultimately we try to have like one lead hop. So maybe Citra might be 50%. And then you might have two other hops, which are 25 and 25%. And sort of try and, try and let one thing lead and let another one like give it a twist. Um, so then when you get down to that, you kind of like, okay, so what lead hops do I have in, in you know, available to me? Um, cause there isn't that many that can, can hold their own in that way. You know, Citra, Mosaic, yeah. Simcoe, Nelson, uh, there's not bags and bags of them though. Um, yeah. And, th and then a lot of the time you just don't know and you're just experimenting, hoping that something's gonna do really well, but that's what, you know, brewing for us, it needs to be creative and needs to be experimental and, and fun. We don't, we don't want to get to a point where we're just a factory. We kind of want to, well, our, our tap rooms like right next to our fermenters and we're treating that as like a big brew pub and we want to package it today, have people drinking it tonight. And then tomorrow we can get feedback on how good it is or not. And we can, we can change our recipe for next week. You know, make that feedback loop as short as possible. Um, so talking about yeah. the fact that you've got a tap room and it's right next door to the fermenters, one of the things that we're doing as a podcast is we're going to be going out to certain breweries and clearly <laughs> track, <laughs> you know. Um, so when we come over, if we drop you an email, could we get a, a little tour and, uh, yeah, you know, maybe a, a guided tour through the beer that's in the, in the fermenters when we come uh, over? You, you, I'll give you a tour. I'll give you a tour. We can, might be able to get a few tank samples or something, but, um, it's, uh, I mean, from the tap. No, no, I meant as in we're going to sit in your tap room and get okay, hammered. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see the whole production facility from the tap room. It's, it's, um, it's a cool spot. It's a real cool spot. Um, but yeah, it. I think it's good having that there because it it helps the drinkers know that we're we're pretty small. It's a small team. Um, it's it's still craft, you know. It's it's handmade. Um, yeah, by all means, pop in. We'll, I'll, you know, give me a shout. That's true. 
So everything goes straight in at do, like mate. full production volume. There's no sort of like pilot kit or or are there any no. certain styles that you do on a smaller setup at all? Um, so we have uh, our biggest tanks are sixty hectoliters, and then the smallest tanks are fifteen hectoliters. So that's as small as we can go. Um, but the really small ones are terrible for hoppy things. That what size is the brew house? Um, it's meant to be thirty heck. We can get a little bit more out if um, if we want to, but it's, it's designed for thirty heck. Um, so the, the design was that yeah, we could brew double. from table beer to imperial stout. But basically, if we do an imperial stout, we'll just only get fifteen heck out. Um, but uh, yeah, so no. Ultimately, f- for your question, there is no there is no pilot kit. You're just straight in. Um, see what happens. Um, we've done enough now that we're confident that we know. You know, it's going to be good. Well, that's basically what you want, isn't it? You know, you want the belief in your own kit, and you want the belief in your own abilities. Otherwise, why the hell are you doing it? And I guess also, it's like it's 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 not going too far over the line, and. You kind of you've got a blueprint for how you make certain beers, and you know you you're not going to go too wild, like you know in the first year of your home brewing, everyone makes yeah an utterly <laughs> shit beer because they think you know <laughs> I can put I can put waffles in a stout. Yeah, I've got a genius idea that nobody's yeah, yeah, ever thought yeah. of. Let's go straight in with Can't. the. Uh... I mean, who puts blueberries and waffles <laughs> in a stout? Put, I mean, come on, in a beer. <laughs> hey, I've done, I've done a rosemary IPA. That was only <laughs> slightly behind the uh, cardamom one for awfulness. Everyone, we've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah, seemed like a great idea at the time. That worked, and it's still working. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think right now is a really good time. We're we're according to my audacity about an hour in, but I don't know how long it paused for. Um, so shall we just break off and have a commercial beer right now? Clearly it's going to be another track beer and, uh, we'll just do a bit of a chat about that. I'm guessing that nobody actually told you the, the format that we follow, Matt. Yeah, I saw something. Um, I've been pretty busy, but I saw something. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So right. What we're going to do right now is we're basically, we're just going to take a little break. Normally we drink homebrew and other bits and bobs as we go through the podcast and talk about whatever we're talking about. And then we have a a commercial break. So let's just take a commercial break right now. Drink another one of your beers. Give it the proper finger up the arse check over. And then we'll see where we end up. That's that's one way way to put it. That's that's, that's not a song title, is it? (laughs) I've not not heard that one. I have not said anything about the foreskin of science (laughs) yet. Give me time. Anyway, it's it's been been one long commercial break so far. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty much. Let's continue that. I'm two dippers in and, uh, you know, I'm pretty pretty certain that third's going to push me off, but... Uh-oh. Yeah, thud dipper. <laughs> well, you know what to do then, Owen. Don't do a dipper. Uh, yeah, but I want to drink a track beer, and I've only got track dippers, so... <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. You know. <laughs> okay. Let, let's give Matt an opportunity. Have you, have you got any well, other different beers that you're going to have? Or are you, yeah, uh, what are you drinking, Matt? Are you, are you still, um, still, on the, um, still on the beer you were on before? Or? Still on this half dome, but I do have this... Um, what's it called? Ships to New Land collaboration with um chain house brewing Ooh. from uh preston so we brewed this it's a ddh 
Hale with Motueka, Rakao, and Idaho 7. Um, nice. So that's just come out today. Today, yeah. Yeah, you just dropped that today um, on the website, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, to be fair, I think Matt needs to get that cracked and uh, <laughs> give us some feedback as to the tasting okay. notes and stuff okay. with his extremely well-trained palate. Yeah. Always. Oh, here we go. Strap in, gentlemen and ladies and whatever you identify as. Yeah, so so it's Matawaka, Rakao, and Idaho 7. Not a combination we've done before. It works. It works quite well. It's quite soft. Um, yeah, um, the Motueka and the Idaho are like leading it out. I think, um, kind of a little bit of lime, some sort of grapefruity thing coming in. Um, it's quite soft. Yeah. And so this was designed for, um, we're doing a beer festival at the, at the brewery in a couple of weeks. And the, the concept behind it was just like, we need to be able to drink this beer all day long. Um, you know, perfect beer, beer festival sort of fodder. Nothing too, too heavy, but it needs to be able to cut through, and you need to be able to drink it all day long. So five and a half percent DDH pale, really nice. Um, Ryan, who runs Chain House, is is super cool. Really small kit. I think it's like three barrel kit um, out of his garage. Um, so we're just looking to this year maybe collaborate with a few smaller breweries and and sort of. Uh, you know, find out what they're doing and sort of engage with, with the whole community. Um, yeah, trying to, you know, introduce our drinkers to some new breweries as well. Um, Having been down there a couple of weeks ago, I'd strongly recommend that you hook up with Unity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy's very cool. He's doing some interesting stuff. Yeah, like. we've, I've met Jimmy a few times. So, He's good. Yeah, yeah no, so sounds good like too. a good one. Yeah. Mm. yeah, to be fair, when he was on the pod, we asked about, breweries that he's collaborated with and he he said nice things about you guys up a track so okay okay was, uh, yeah you've obviously al- already already done a couple of things that, or at least spoken to each other if not collaborated before yeah i think we've done two beers now uh off the top of my head i think we've done two but yeah yeah he's really cool he's a really good guy um but then most of the brewing industry seems to be you know it's, it's so good the sort of collaborations we we get so much uh new information and ideas out of them they're, they're really useful uh i think it's how track has sort of developed at the pace it did um just by you're in a room with another brewer for eight hours and you've got liberty to ask whatever questions you want and you know they might not tell you the truth but you can still ask so you know you, you don't get to do that very often yeah. well it's it's all about the hive mind isn't it yeah 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 it's, it's probably what we're trying to do just now with all the kind of getting the commercial type brewers on and just chatting about these sort of different things and different techniques is probably the same sort of thing you guys would do yeah. in a commercial environment. Exactly that, exactly learning. that. You know, my my girlfriend was sick of hearing me talk about beer. I needed to find somebody who actually wanted to hold a conversation with me about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. I think... I think I think that there's four wives that feel probably similar. But yeah, hence yeah. hence the podcast, Matt. Hence, yep. hence the podcast. And here we are. Forty-nine episodes about collaborating with um, you know a group of home brewers on a on a 
on a cola. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, do, I do have something. I do. I yeah. No. <laughs> I, I, I do take the joke. I do take the joke. But in all honesty, I have got a project in the back of my mind where it's like, um, I think this year, you know, we do want to give something, like try and give back to the community. Um, I came from home brewing. I was part of two homebrew groups. Um, you know, I really enjoyed it, and I know that that's what like would be super useful for for homebrewers everywhere. Really, you know, they want that feedback and that opportunity to ask questions and stuff. Um, so yeah, no, it could happen. Could happen. Maybe we need to do a competition or something. I don't know. Wow. Well, speaking of that, <laughs> we've just we've just we've just come off the back of doing a competition at Unity uh, with Jimmy. Oh, so is that what you're doing with Jimmy? In, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we did that last month. So I'm, I'm literally within Three like weeks. you know a stone's throw of, uh, of unity across. Well, you're you're like old old mates Myra. with Jimmy, though, aren't you? Um, and you yeah, you go yeah. go back way way back. So that was really yeah, cool, great. wasn't it? We were all down there uh, four weeks ago. Four weeks ago, three weeks ago. Sweet. All I've got three, to say is three weeks ago. All I've got to say is we have experience of doing competitions and stuff like that, and you know if you want. <laughs> We'll we'll get in there with you. <laughs> All right. And also, I have the ability, having previously worked in a brewery, I was a brewer as okay. well. Here it comes for for six months <laughs> before the bloke forgot before to pay he, the tax. Before he bankrupted the brewery and it went down the plug on <laughs> skills. Um, and having a scientific background, I do believe that, you know, it, should the opportunity arise, we could have some fun. There we go. Yeah, there's, there's been absolutely... Like what, what, what Chris is saying is he will dig out the mash done. <laughs> he will. <laughs> right, right. What I'm saying is I am talented uh, at digging out mash done. too, Matt, so yeah. just to sweeten the deal. Yeah. You've got to supply the towels on because I sweat like a grease oh, pig. Oh, wow. That, that makes it easier to get him out of the hat, oh. doesn't it? So. I think it's the it's the only way it's the only way you're oh, getting out. Hats out like an oiled this, plum. It's not a hatch big enough for me to get in. Come Digging on, out the mash tun is we'll have to get a crane. Get Chris in. Yeah, just drop me in the top. If it's, it's if it's one of the side entry, I suppose it's a bit easier. Whereas when you're having to stand in it and it's boiling your feet, that's a bit different. Yeah, you, you don't want that. You don't want that. It's not much fun. <laughs> it's not much fun. Anyway, who's um, who's got a no, commercial beer to drink fun. then? Come on, let's do this. Well, I've I've got one. Uh, funnily enough, it's a track beer. Um, you got that from one. It's not from the Dipper Pack. This was from one of my previous orders. Ah. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, it's been a monthly thing ordering from you since lockdown, Matt. So uh, I feel okay. like you know, cool. I feel like yeah, I sh- should get a badge it. or something. Uh, but anyway, right? Um, yeah. So the Dreaming of series. They, these are like single hop. Um, you know, double dry hopped IPAs, basically. That's that's the sort of yeah. idea, isn't it? Um, so get from what you were saying previously, I guess the idea is with these, you're looking for those hops that you feel like they, they can stand alone and, and do stuff on their yeah. own. I know you've done Nelson, you've done, this one is Strata, you've done um, Idaho 7 recently, uh, maybe a yeah, couple yeah. of others that I've missed. But uh, yeah, um, it's, uh, yeah, Strata, I think, is definitely one of those hops where it's got... For me, it has a really different character, like depending on what, what hops you pair it up with and when you put it on its own, it is then also tastes very different as well. It seems to change quite a lot depending right, okay, on yeah. what, what goes in with it. So it's it's really interesting to have it in a sort of single hopped IPA like this. And um, 
I mean, for me, it's uh, the the characteristics that come out of it are very. You know, you don't want to just say the same words over and over again, like tropical and citrus and all the rest of it. But it has almost like a sort of candy, uh, tropical fruit thing for me personally. I don't know if that's uh, what anyone else gets from it when it's when it's on its own, anyway. But um, again, a little bit, uh, coming back to the beer that I drank before this, there's a little bit of that orange juice thing, sort of sweet candy, okay. tropical fruit yeah. vibe going on. Um, but I had a four pack of it and I think this is the last one, but I really enjoyed this one. Like I think again, maybe the Nelson dreaming of was my favorite of the series so far, but this yeah, one's yeah, pretty good. much a very close second behind that for me anyway. So, uh, yeah, okay. another, cool. another lovely beer, but yeah, uh, again, what, what's your sort of thoughts on Strata? Where, where do you sit on that hop? Um, yeah, it's relatively new to us. We've had it a couple of years. Um, it's good. Um, I find it has like, maybe like a diesely sort of note in it sometimes, but, um, it's, it's powerful and it can like stand on its own. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we enjoy it. We enjoy it. Um, it's been interesting doing this dreaming off series cause, cause we hadn't done a single hop thing for so long and the hops move forwards at such a rate. That it's interesting to dip back in and sort of say, okay, so what does this hop do on its own as it stands right now? Um, it used to be quite a trend for breweries to do them and they seem to fall out of fashion quite last few years, but, um, yeah, yeah. I, I like Strata. It's good. It's good. Um, I wanted to ask Matt about your fractions beer, uh, mm-hmm. beer line. What, like I had, I had, I can't remember which one it was. I think it might've been number four or five. I really enjoyed that. Really, really enjoyed that. What, what's the, what's the deal with the, the fractions beers okay uh yeah so we got um uh stefan who does all our events and sort of uh social media and he does lots of lots of different hats uh, on him but um he came up with this idea for a beer which was um an exper- experimental ipa series alongside um a sort of photography showcase um so when the beer's released, there's an art exhibition with the photos up from the cans. And, um, we, yeah, we have that at the tap room. So he just set us this challenge of doing, like, an experimental IPA series with it. Uh, and so, yeah, we just um, – it, it's nice to be given that free free reign to sort of just have a play. Um, so we've done a bunch of different things. Um, uh, changing dry hop temperatures, changing the grists. Um, you know uh what we've done we've got one in tank which is like um we've blended uh kvike yeast with uh L- our london l3 which we normally use um yeah but i've been really impressed with them they've been been pretty good so far um it's it's always worrying sometimes to experiment because as you know it doesn't always go right um but yeah yeah they've been uh they've been really enjoyable um and shout out to Stefan. I think uh, that's how I I met Stefan at the these hills. Um, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, beer festival, and and that's I guess how uh, we managed to get you on the podcast. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great guy. Yeah, really nice, lovely guy. Also, connecting the dots, you mentioned how good this beer was when you tried it on keg at that festival. 
I think you might have even okay. said it was your, one of your favourites. I think own. it so was. I, I bought it off the back of that, actually. Yeah, I had some amazing trap beers. And actually, as a festival, absolute banger. Like, probably... Double Denim was the other one, wasn't it? Which was uh, really good oh, okay, beer, yeah. too. Yeah. What's wrong with I Double Denim? I think the name of the beer, Chris. Calm down. I, I still wear Double Denim. Double Denim. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, then. Um, don't give me shit. I love how bad Double, double Denim is. To be honest, Chris, it's only acceptable if you're uh-huh. wearing uh, denim hot pants. I mean, it is Yorkshire. They've only just progressed on from the shell suit, so let's give them a chance. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, you and your fucking beard. Calm down. Jesus Christ. I'll tell you. You get a couple of dippers in these boys, mate, and all of a sudden they turn, it's all grief given to me just because I'm from the greatest county in the world. I mean, Jesus. Just returning fire, Chris, you know. It's not like I've got blurred vision like you boys, all right? Whew. Anyway, I want to talk to Matt um, about something to do with, um, specifically with hopping. Now, when it comes to your whirlpooling that you're doing, I know this is completely, totally enough, but my mind works different. So when it comes to the whirlpooling that you guys are doing when you're making a brew, do you alter the temperature of your whirlpool or do you stick to one specific temperature? Um, yeah, for now, we've, we've just stuck to one temperature. Um, what about time? Because time, I find, changes it. Yeah, current, currently we've we've we're just stuck with um with one schedule for it as well. Um, we're still like we're we're thirteen months into brewing on the new kit, and we haven't got to the point where we started playing too much with the whirlpool. We've changed the like the addition rate, like how much hops are going in, but yeah, it's all just at 80, 80 degrees C, and then we we spin it for twenty minutes, and then we let it rest for twenty minutes and, and move it on. Okay, fair enough. That that kind of answers my question. Interesting that you go for like eight, 80 degrees because that's, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, is that's the, the kind of isomerization point, kind of the key temperature, or at least in home brewing circles, that's considered the key temperature. I'm not sure it's, I'm not sure that's exactly how the science works. But Owen, I always find that we we always hang up about 20 minutes or 30 minutes and that's it. And it's like, see when you actually go, when you talk to the commercial brewers, it's like, okay, it's 20 minutes, but then it's in there for a lot longer. It's not in there for just 20 minutes. It's like, there's a, like um, I'm saying here, it's like a 20 minute spin plus a 20 minute rest. We don't do that. We we literally will start chilling it and, and throwing it back in, into the fermenter. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, and equally, sometimes you forget the period of time in which it's cooling as well. Because I don't know about you, but I tend to whirlpool my beer whilst it's cooling. So... I tend to chill to a point, then whirlpool, then chill on. Yeah, but but, but all of that time, sometimes we don't consider as a part of the overall whirlpool time. No, absolutely. So we might yeah. whirlpool eighty degrees for twenty minutes, but then you're, but then you might be cooling for, say, let's, it's, it's the summer. You might be cooling for fifteen minutes. So, so yeah. actually, so actually, you've had a, you've had a thirty-five minute whirlpool time. You know. Yeah, Matt. How how do you chill your? Yeah. So our whirlpool is in a separate vessel to the kettle. So 
as we're moving it from the kettle to the whirlpool, we'll cool it to 80 degrees. So then as soon as all the all the work's in the whirlpool, it's at 80. And then we just start spinning it on itself and get the hops in. So then, yeah, so that'll be spinning for 20 minutes, like I say, and then a rest for 20 minutes. And then it's probably for us about 30 minutes to transfer that beer out of the whirlpool and into the FB. So you you may be at, you know, you may be at, what's that, an hour and 15 minutes from when you put the hops in to the last bit of beer coming out. Um, It's definitely something to think about because our old brew house didn't have a whirlpool. That that maybe ties Um, up. Uh, and we just and we we were using whole cone hops, so it's a lot more alpha acid anyway. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so you you need to consider it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's answered my question pretty well. Um, I'm almost at the end of my beer, so can somebody just talk for like another ten, fifteen seconds before I can pour my commercial? Yeah, well, I don't. I don't think we actually concluded the commercial beers. So did so. So Matt's been. Tricky's been. I've just cracked. I've just cracked this beauty, which is the equilibrium uh, track oh, yeah, discovery yeah. one. That, but, yes. um, and yeah, I mean, we've already talked about it. Amazing can art, Matt. I really love the. Uh, yeah, it's cool, very, isn't it? It's cool, isn't it? So very cool. It's part of our digital age range. Um, so ultimately, it means um, we did it over email. We w- we weren't in one place, but. Um, Equilibrium have released uh, their version of it uh, this week as well. So they brewed a version at their end, um, same recipe. So it'd be cool if we could get hands on some of those as well. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. I love it. It's almost got like a foil-esque vibe to yeah. it. Um, I like it. But uh, yeah, I think Tricky's already kind of talked about what the beer is like. Definitely getting that big orange juice vibe. It's amazing. Big thick. I love the colour. Absolutely yeah. nailing the colour there. Um I mean it is a, it's basically a glass of alcoholic orange juice. Thanks. <laughs> There's some great, great beers flying around tonight, and they're all from one chuffing brewery. And to be fair, Matt's made them all, so he's sitting there going <laughs> like Billy Big Balls, giving it <laughs> Yes, I am rocking this joint. I'm on. I'm not having a bad. I'm not having a I'm on my third dipper. The the lux is very very good. It's it's not as actually what I noticed between the other two. It's not as pungent on the aroma, right? But then it's like the other two have been absolutely insane. The cereb was it the unknown topography and the discovery one have been like mega pungent, and then you come to lux and it's like it's like anything. You're getting loads of aroma, but just compared to those two, it's just not on the same sort of thing. But the flavour is insane. It is, it, it's, I'm trying to, it's almost still like the kind of the breakfast juice sort of thing. And it's quite, I'm like, what am I getting here? Is it citrus? It is citrus juice, sort of orange juice, but yeah, it, it's how do you get the kind of galaxy thing? It's, yeah, it's quite interesting. It's, yeah, very strong, but good. All right. Um, can I can I jump in here? Because I want to do my commercial beer. Um, I've gone with Sunset Trains, which 
Mazik yeah. Kashmir. Now, you guys know me. I'm not one to pull my punches when it comes to telling people what I think about a beer, right? But I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> upset you, Matt. However, oh no, I'm getting a lot of sulfur on the nose from this one. Okay, but yeah. I get a lot of sulfur when I get a lot of mosaic in a beer. Weirdly enough, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. But the flavour is fucking spectacular, right? It's like, do you remember the old sherbet dib dabs? Right, yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Now, now, if you've got that dip, obviously you have to lick it and then stick it, right? You lick it. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, yeah. That you lick it and then you stick it into the sherbet and then it comes out. You get sh- Now, if you took away down, yeah. the, the kind of the citric acid that they put in there to give it the sourness, you take that away, that's what this beer tastes like. Right. Okay. It's That's fucking a very stunning. specific description, Chris, yeah. but you've, you've yeah. put us all in the moment there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, know, I know that exact. I've had beers yeah. and it's like shit. And it's, it's without yeah. the citric acid, it's without the tartness, without the sour. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you just get that. It's that nondescript fruit punch that kind of just hits you. Just... And then it just fades away. And I'm left with a really. This has got a really nice malt backbone on this. And it's just, it's flavour. It's just flavour upon flavour and it melts and it kind of, it melds into something else. And then the the after flavour is like, I'm getting quite a lot of that kind of blueberry flavour, but I'm also getting that yeah, really, because I find cashmere quite, quite a weird hop, okay? It's almost creamy, but at the same time, what you get, is you get this nondescript fruit that's almost a hybrid of a papaya and kind of a kumquat. <laughs> and it's a weird flavour, but I really like it. It's a nice flavour. All right. I always find mosaic. I get this kind of... It's almost like a red... It's like a tea leaf sort of mosaic. I'd describe it as like a mosaic tea It's leaf. almost like if you'd taken like... the burdock out of dandelion and burdock. It's like it's like a dandelion tea almost. It's really nice. Really, <laughs> buy this beer. This is a bloody good beer. <laughs> there you go. All right. Yeah, I like that, mate. That's a nice pint. That. For sake, these days is <laughs> good. No, one of the things that was really interesting on the recent uh, craft beer channel video where the hop growers were talking about the hops was where they said why they called it mosaic was because it was such a combination of mad flavors that everyone described it differently so they called it mosaic because it was a mosaic of flavors which i thought was you know that was uh probably one of the best named hops i guess there there is for that reason i think yeah yeah it's way better than citra isn't it (laughs) i don't know citrus 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 i'm not really sure if citra is really the most citrusy hop because i I would always think that as god i don't know like i yeah, I'd go back to like stuff like was... Cascade and Centeno if you want like grapefruity flavors, like well, which are more citrusy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Citra is a bit more of a soft, less spiky. It's like a citrusy not... tropical flavor rather than like a cit- yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than like a pithy citrus. No, I think that's it. Yeah, you, you hit right. the nail on the head there. Yeah. Um, 
I know. I think I think mosaic. Um, I think mosaic over the last few years has gone through like a bit of a transformation, like many hops, you know, year on year, based on the harvest. Yeah, you know, yeah. We've, we've you know, in the past this, it used to yeah. be like a real banging blueberry vibe going on, and 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 then some years it's, it's more dank than others. And uh, but that said, you know, it depends like where it, what batch you buy and what harvest yeah. it came from, and. Yeah. You know, all these different what things field? that, you know, as homebrewers, we kind of just like, well, we, don't we just that, buy what we buy and then we go, oh, that's it given us an interesting kind of thing. And, and, so, and, and Matt, I'm, you know, the, the, there's a question for you here is, um, how do, do you do you get any kind of selection into your kind of hops or is it, you know, you contract your hops? Is it... How's that work in terms of how you develop your recipes and in in the sense of who who do you buy it from? Is it Bath House or is it from a Yakima chief specifically, or is it Charles Farum or whatever? Um, so yeah, um, so we we buy from quite a lot of people. Um, we buy from Yakima chief, uh, Bath House. We deal with uh, Crosby. Um, and then we have uh, Clay- mm-hmm. Clayton Hops from New Zealand, Freestyle Hops from New Zealand, Hop Revolution from New, New Zealand, um, Indie Hops who do Strata. Um, yeah, we we spread them, uh, spread it right out. Uh, we use Brookhouse Hops in the UK. Uh, we don't we don't use uh, Charles Farms uh, currently. Um, mm-hmm. but as far as contracting goes, um, yeah, w- we contract, um, all our hops, uh, it's by far the biggest contract that we have to sign every year. Uh, it's absolutely terrifying, um, to, you know, commit to buying that much. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very large sum of money, but, um, this year is the first year that we've been invited I, over to I bet to it's not too US much of a worry to, for you though, so is it? Well, I mean, the pandemic was brutal. It was absolutely brutal, you know. Um, uh, we, 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 we navigated it okay, but... However, you guys are shipping some serious beer. You're shipping some serious beer. I mean, if you're doing cask and you're doing keg, you've got your own canning line, you're putting out... I mean, geez, you've got your own fucking merch line for God. I bought two glasses, son. Do you know what I mean? Right? <laughs> You're clearly doing all right. And I understand that. Yeah, fair enough. I know that... everyone, Everyone's in the same boat. No, no, calm down a second, because there's a good point at the end of this. And, I, and the I point is, it's like, that. yeah, it's a scary thing. But it's not like you're not selling the product in order to be able to make that money back and to see a, a decent profit out of it. And more importantly than money, because nobody, nobody starts work in a brewery for the fucking money. Because if you do, you're in the wrong business, okay? What you do is you go into it for the love of the beer. And signing that contract allows you the ability to create some utterly fantastic beers. And that's what you're doing. That's why you're sitting on a podcast with four people who love your beer and who are sitting here going, fuck me, this is brilliant, this is awesome. I don't know, Chris. Do you know what I mean? And it's like... (laughs) Yeah, it's a scary proposition, but <laughs> Jesus Christ, son, you're doing something right. I mean, pat yourself on the back because you're clearly doing something right. Yeah, my next order will definitely be track. 
Yeah, no, it, it is good, obviously. It's just, um, yeah, you're committing to making that much beer and you don't know if, if, you know, the country goes into lockdown, you're still committed to making that much beer and you've got to find somewhere to put it when all the pubs shut. They're not going to lock down with Omicron, it, mate. That's not happening. It's not going to happen now. I don't think so. Anyway, but yeah, this year's the first year that we got invited over to uh, Yakima no. to select Citrum as a So we're off there next month. Um to nice. to do our selection and, and and be able to pick exactly what we're going to get. Um, previous years we've had that opportunity with Strata and a little bit of the New Zealand stuff, but that's been where they've they've posted out samples to us, and you just pick one and say, okay, yeah, we're going to go with that, rather than being over at the the hop farm, as it were. Um, but yeah, so I'm hoping that next year when those those land, we should see a see a change in the beer and see a, you know another another advance sort of thing. So just just following up on that line of questioning, the so from what we've talked about with other brewers about Galaxy, you, do you not have any yeah. opportunity to choose a lot, or is it just that Galaxy is Galaxy for that year? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's pretty you much just how get, it works. We, we we just get we just get what we're given. Um, yeah, historically historically it was kind of like you know, and you'll be thankful for that. You know, um, there was so little <laughs> galaxy around, and so so little yeah. Nelson. It's just like a lot of time you just couldn't get any. Um, but the the sort of the way the hop hop situation at the minute's working, they're a bit more readily available. Um, but yeah, yeah. Galaxy, all that Aussie stuff, we, we just get sent whatever's there. It is quite difficult to get over to Australia just to chew some hops though, right? Well, no, but from what I understand from the conversation with Jimmy before, it was it was about the Australian hop uh forget what the name of the actual company is, but basically it's a conglomerate of all the hop farms. Jimmy was buying on spec, he was is saying, he not? I think Jimmy. Well, he, he was saying that the, the Aussie hops are basically just all basically blended into one blended. from all the hop farms. So yeah, there yeah. is no lots as such. There's just this is the the galaxy for this year, and you that's what you get. So mafia. You want so so yeah, so mafia exactly. of uh, <laughs> um, Australian hop producers. That you know, it's a bit like the olive oil business of the of the forties. Yeah. I mean. They're, they're, the the galaxy conversation you, you probably are getting keyed into now, Matt, is a, a bit of a long running conversation <laughs> on this podcast about yeah. why the galaxy Love, sort yeah. of you know flavor <laughs> profile changed over certain years and became a little bit more yeah once it got really popular became more difficult to get but also changing in flavor profile but anyway that's uh, yeah it seems like at least we've we've maybe dug down a little bit more into the technicalities of how their hop selling works and why that might be the case. And it seems like yourself and Jimmy have both confirmed that basically it's, uh, yeah, you, you don't get a choice. <laughs> it's just that you buy Galaxy or you yeah. don't, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I ask a question about malt? Yeah. yeah. What, what, what kind of malt are you using? What What is the, is it, you know, crisp or are you using Simpsons or is it, Whatever. What what kind of malt are you? Where do you normally get your malts and stuff? So, um, what's normally your base? Um, we use uh, crisp extra pale. Um, historically, as our base, um, 
and then this year we switched um uh we switched over to a german pilsner for a lot of our ipas and dippers um we found that well i mean from from my experience this year's harvest of malt uh, was really low in nitrogen as opposed to last year which was really high um so nitrogen being aligned with protein you know we weren't we didn't feel like we were getting enough in um so we switched to to a uh best malt heidelberg pills um and so we use that for most of our hazy stuff um i thought i could taste we still use a bit i thought i could taste pills no malt yeah underneath all those hops yeah yeah Yeah. maybe um love it um, yeah, yeah. So we yeah. we enjoy that, and we enjoy the color, <laughs> color we get out of it. It's really low color. Um, yeah, still use a crisp uh, Sonoma though. Um, that's still the same. Well, all I've got to say, mate, is as far as the malt and the hop goes, if you hang on in there, eventually you're going to be running headlong into more problems than you can possibly imagine with having to go to these places to choose your individual batches, because clearly you are doing something right. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man, that's just so good. Yeah. And also, I vape a lot with lots of citrus and fruit flavors. <laughs> so that's going to numb my tongue. So I probably can taste the Pilsner malt. But yeah. <laughs> okay. You can actually taste the Pilsner, Chris. If you numb your tongue to one thing, you can taste yeah. something else. That's how it Maybe. works. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, so let's uh, let's let's bring it back to the homebrewing because technically that's what this podcast is is all about. Um, do 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 it's you ever tricky. do any homebrewing still, Matt, or is that long long gone now? Um, no, no, that's um, I've still got my kit, but I've not homebrewed for for a long time. I just the, I really enjoyed doing it, but the time time just left me. Um, I, I, the last yeah. few batches I did, basically, I had enough time for brew day, and then to look after it on those, you know, that next week, two weeks, it, I never found the time to take care of it properly, and then, you know, yeah, it slipped away. Yeah, but, of course. It, everything would have been bretted if you'd carried on like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Once I got to the point of doing recipes in the brewery, then it seemed like I could just do that yeah. instead. Well, of course, it's you know you've already like leveled up to that point. It's it, that's your job now, right? So, do you, do you yeah, track yeah. have any interaction with the local homebrew scene at all, or you, do you have any like clubs coming or anything um, like that? No, we, we don't have like any any meetings or anything like like that uh, as such. Um, I'm still in touch with a, a load of the guys who are in my homebrew group, um, Chilton Homebrewers. Uh, those guys yeah. some of those guys help out on the canning line a little bit and you know come and come dig us out of a hole yes. if we're short short of staff um yeah yeah the, the, the manchester's got a good homebrew cool. scene there's quite a lot a lot of uh, clubs i think there's at least two or three um yeah i think there's a few guys who are regulars at the sort of you know homebrew competitions and meetups and things like that that a few of us have probably bumped into um Okay. Yeah. A few times. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, going back to sort of like the the kind of digging digging for track tips on recipes and stuff. I mean, I think we've 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 pretty much got 
all the all the nuggets of information out of you as far as like the pale ales and stuff go because you've talked about the the grain bill and the mash. the uh the mash temperature and all that kind of stuff um one thing that interests me quite a lot is how, how do you switch it up when you go to do the west coast style beers because um i mean i would assume straight away you're you're going to a different yeast um water profile i would imagine and what yeah, else do you do differently like in terms of like the, yeah the the hop scheduling um what what's your sort of turnaround as far as like what what's the difference between your typical you know i, I don't want you to give me a recipe but what's your typical sort of no, no. change up when it comes to doing it west coast versus pale ale uh or sorry so, hazy pale yeah 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 um so most of the differences are on the hot side uh, on brew day itself um uh we generally just do all pilsner base malt nothing else just all pilsner um yep and we'll mash it relatively low to try and get like a low finishing gravity maybe 1008 or something like that um and then yeah we'll do kettle hops so we'll probably do like two additions or maybe three um Nothing too crazy, you know, try and build in the bitterness, get a good chunk of hops towards the end of the boil, maybe last 15 minutes or something like that, yeah. to try and get, you know, hoppy characters coming through. Um, and then we played a little bit more with um, whirlpooling on the West Coast because for me, what makes a good West Coast, like especially a pale, which is a bit lower in ABV, is that, you want I want it to have that sticky resinous mouthfeel. It's sort of like a little bit chewy, but you know mm-hmm. st- sticky on the tongue. And I feel like Chew that comes from Yeah, I, I feel I feel like that comes from um yeah. like organic leaf matter. Like the more of that you have, the more like it gives body to, to the beer. It gives you some of that resinous character. So we started to whirlpool in the mash ton using um leaf hops using whole cone hops so you're getting more more leaf matter than you would with a pellet um, and and that's that's really cool that's that's a real you know it feels like you're brewing when you when you when you put in 10 kilos of uh whole cone hops in a mash ton at the end of a bro- uh, brew days feels feels like you're experimenting doing something good um uh yeah and then and then we go through fermentation um pretty pretty standard affair we use like a chico ale yeast and um and then just dry hop like we dry hop anything else really um just we we just dry hop at the end of fermentation like 18 degrees or wherever it lands you know 18 19 something around that um yeah yeah. So do you um so it's, it's my, go a little lo, little bit lighter on the dry hop to because obviously most most your West Coast style beers are definitely have that clarity as well versus the other one. So is that yeah. just down to like lower dry hopping or because of the yeast as well or is it uh, um, any yeah, findings it's a little, going? It's in a little bit all? of everything. It's a, it's a little bit of everything. It's um we, we use a chico chico ale yeast that'll drop bright. Um, the dry hop rate is lower. Um, maybe I think it's like 16 grams a liter on an IPA, maybe something around that. Um, so not, not crazy low, but it is lower. 
and then yeah, we'll we'll use Sex a process. We'll, we'll use a processing aid to like help it clarify. Like um, it's like a vegan findings um, to 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 get it to go bright. Basically, um, we've tried leaving it for time, and that doesn't really tick it down. Fair enough. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You didn't say you didn't say sixteen grams per liter was light. Well, it's light. It's lighter than twenty, isn't it? You know. For, so for us, that's like three hundred and sixty-eight <laughs> grams in a batch. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Was <laughs> was that twenty liters? What? I'm just baffled oh. by the idea of getting a uh, clear beer with sixteen grams per liter. That's sixteen's uh... yeah. way too high for. Well, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you say, Tricky? 16 grams per liter. So it's 368 grams. That's Nipah territory for us. What you're not taking into account as well, Andy, is hop utilization at those kind of volumes that he's working at is about 125%. You're only getting about 100 on your small kit. No, but he's saying there's more. Chris, you're not not listening. No, it's more. It's like. (laughs) Three, 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 six, eight, three, six, eight grams in a twenty-three liter batch. Yeah, and what I'm is low. And what I'm saying is, what he's actually getting out of those hops is about twenty-five percent more than what you're getting out of them. What would we do in a way? So what yeah, I'm saying is, add twenty-five percent onto your three sixty-eight. So you're looking at about four fifty. Hold on, we would probably do a seven grams per liter on a West Coast. Seven, would right. be. Not not sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. That's, that's I'm just baffled that, by how is, how you can get that clear for me. That, like, how can you get that to drop clear when you? That's Nipah. That's Tony Pacheco. What what are you doing with the dry hops like, to make that drop clear, Matt? What? Yeah, how, how does it not well, just end up murky as fuck? Because for me, like and, whatever everyone says about murky beers or hazy beers or whatever, for me, dry hopping the, the quantity of dry hops. As a home brewer, is the biggest factor for me in how hazy the beer comes it's out. It's linear to that. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, yeah, that's my per, like for me personally in my experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. It definitely, it definitely increases the the haze, um, and that yeah. So we'll transfer it to a, a bright tank. We don't normally do that with our other beers, and we'll add a, a silica based fining agent to to help drop it out. Um, but yeah, they're not crazy. Okay, right. Now we're getting into normally it. when we when we've dry hopped <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> when we've dry hopped it without findings, it's not like crazy hazy. You can sort of see fingers through it, but it's not clear. You know. Um. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, according to the US guys, I mean, What's they're your, going with Matt, gelatin Matt. or other weird shit. So yeah, fair. So, so Matt, um, I might have missed it. Like, are you? Do you tend to sort of use some crystal malts in your west coasts, or like you sort of? No, pure, it's pure pale. Uh, sorry, it was pale, pure, pure pale. Okay, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like crystal malts have really pure fallen pills. out of popularity in in the west coast uh, mm. style now, haven't they? Because yeah, I think so. Some of the info we were given on was to use Munich yeah. malt. Uh, as a percentage, it's the, the oxidising effects of um, crystal malts, isn't it? To, that the, you may limit your ability to add additional hop aroma to the beer and all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How many times do I have to tell you guys that brewing is chemistry, and unless you <laughs> understand chemistry, you can't fucking do this shit right? Well, I mean, I guess that's that's a good point to raise, though, because. Uh, 
judging by everything you've said so far, it seems like you steer pretty clear of crystal malts in most of your beers in any any kind of format. Would that be fair to say, Matt? Yeah, they go in. Um, they go in the imperial stouts, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. Dark yeah. beers only, pretty much. Then, or uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the only time we use them. Um, yeah. Is there is there any desire to go to like a sort of uh, to to make like an old school West Coast at some point that might actually have some crystal oil in it? Well, there's a bit a bit chewier, a bit sort of yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, fair. No, I appreciate, no. your, uh, appreciate your candor, Matt. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think. Well. I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them at a time, but for me, I just wanted to be like a really big hop expression, um, and I'm not too fussed on that sweeter edge that they used to have. Um, I did find some of them quite insipid. Yeah, really quite mean, sweet and quite cloying, and and a little bit, honestly, quite nasty. Some of the old school Westies. Yeah. I definitely like the the Munich malt. The Munich malt definitely worked well, Chris. Yeah, but I think, like, to be fair, it was all about balance, wasn't it? It was all about like the great examples of it. Nailed the balance of bitterness to hop aroma to sweetness to, you know, really brought that together. And it, it's certainly not an easy thing to do. But clearly I've, I've noticed a trend in the kind of, the West Coast IPAs of the UK craft market are not using any crystal malt. So there's no throwback to the old school West Coast IPAs. It is a, in a sense, new school IPA, uh, West Coast IPA. It's almost like every brew dog recipe had fucking caramel. Yeah, they point. did love caramel, <laughs> didn't they? Like, if you look at that fucking, like, what what was it? The dead pony recipe now. Oh. <laughs> That's like thirty percent crystal malt in that fucker. Seriously. It, wow. It's horrible. Yeah. And it never tasted the same. It was like a biscuit flipping malt. When you brewed it yourself, it was like this biscuit beer, you know, that was just I horribly. Know, I, I, sticky. I made it a little while ago. I made I made dead pony because oh. I've not had it on no, that. No, no. The, the thing is like I'm I'm, I'm I'm bringing that up because I'm not saying that that's necessarily like a really bad idea. It's just very much like an old school approach to that kind of recipe. Yeah. And to be honest, like of all the Brewdog beers, that's the one that I can probably like drink still. That when I see it, uh, you know, on draft, it's actually the one that's probably like better for me than any of the other ones. It's, that the, I still have it's going, the one so. that captures its roots, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the recipe that's probably been least uh, shitified. Yeah, shitified. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good word. Yeah. Do you know something, Matt? This is this is precisely why I'm sticking to the non-dipper beers, right? Because currently we have Tourette's Tricky up in the corner, right? And we've hey, got I've Owen. not started randomly shouting cunt yet, so I'm definitely not in Tourette's. Give it time. Chill. But my, Hold on. my point is this. Okay, <laughs> I'm going right? to have a nap. See you guys later. Yeah. <laughs> so what we have is... Um, we. We have some questions because this is going out live on we, YouTube. We, we've got basically. Matt we've... sat there wondering why he's sent dippers out to us. He's just, <laughs> yeah. uh, 
It just fucking my, torpedoed my, my, the podcast. My, I'm still sober. Thank you. So my, my point here, right, is calm down. Everybody take a breath. This is a legitimate question that people may get some benefit from. Sure. So y'all can shut up. All right? Have a good So basically... Um, a question from Brett Harmon, our own Brett infection that we're uh, trying to get rid of. Basically, it awesome. says, we all know that time can improve beers drastically. How long would you personally, as a head brewer of a very successful and quite awesome brewery, be prepared to wait until release for what might be a game-changing difference? Basically, how long does shit sit in your bright tank before you put it in cans? Uh, yeah, it, maybe a week doesn't really okay oh not long then um that's not no long. no that idea of you know yeah let's sit on it let's sit on it let's sit on it um no no i think for what different people want different things and some people when you put a beer out super super fresh will, will love it and some will think it needs two weeks um so so that is, you're never going to keep everyone happy. So you better just get it out and, and, and setting it free. Um, cause also with beer, the day we package it, you know, that might take a week before it gets onto a shop shelf. And then it might take another week for you to go and buy it. And then, you know, we're not in control of that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. We don't hold things back too much. I mean, yeah. who wants to live forever, right? Why are we buying from second party retailers when we can just buy direct from track? True. Yeah, yeah. Did I think over the last few years, it's definitely yeah, been a bit of a game. Did you just get another song lyric? Into... <laughs> it definitely has. Direct purchase is one of the most amazing things ever. I think it's brilliant. I can choose the brewery that I want to buy beers from and I can get breweries. Yeah, I can get beers are. direct from them. Like, no, like, there's Bruiser, and you can get track beers. They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so they're advertising But track. how fresh are they? Well, I, I, I'll, um, I'll give you guys a little plug for, like, doing the direct purchasing, though. Like, the, there's a little reward scheme, and you can earn, uh, like, bonus points, can't you? And then you get discounts off of your... Yeah, yeah. Um, orders and if you're on the mailing list, Checking you always. get a few, uh, you know, discount codes coming through occasionally. Regular buyers get the the odd uh, thank you code and everything. So, I've I've had my fair share of discounts anyway from you guys. So yeah. that's, cool. that's cool. I, I tend to like our listeners probably just buy off the back of our podcasts. Yeah, a lot of people do that. <laughs> to be fair, um, <laughs> Matt, do you, do you have like a? Do you have like a sort of leaderboard of people that buy the most beer? And it is uh, is tricky at the top of that leaderboard. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd love to think I was, but I'm pretty sure there's probably more dedicated fans. I doubt yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's been a while since I've been I've been privy to that uh, information, but I remember in when in lockdown our online shop really kicked off. Be- before lockdown, it wasn't really a thing. Um, yeah, that was definitely me. a period where you go and check and be like, "These guys are like spending a lot of money. Like, what's going on?" Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that Richard Williams? Yeah, I'm fairly certain Tricky's like you know at least 10k in the hole. 
It, it was all research and development yeah. for my Sonoma clone recipe, to be fair. Who's this like... Richard Williams and why do we have the deeds to his house? Uh, listen, listen, Tricky, we're not your wife. You don't need to talk to us about that. Um, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. We all do it. Right. We all do it. Are we going dip in number four? Yeah, oh, and you're an animal. I was on the Mate. KCBC. Dip in, dip in number to be four. fair, I just drank that one. I'm, I'm, draw- I'm think... drawing the line at three. That's it. I've got work. I've, I've got work to do tomorrow. Uh, I'm off, so I've just got the kids to take to okay, school for so, the first day. So I'll be like, "That's the dad <laughs> with the big red eyes." So Matt, just do uh, <laughs> one, one last thing. What just, I went Columbo there. One, one more thing. One more thing. One more thing. Do I know you? <laughs> so um, the lagers, like uh, I've got yes, to say, like, the lagers are fucking banging as well. To be fair. Um, but like, yeah, what's you? You have this sort of—is uh, it a Rosa the Hellers recipe, which is like the base, and yeah. then you do sort of variations on that. Um, yeah. I mean, do you go for like a, a, a sort of slow and slow kind of? I'm talking barbecue now, but a sort of cold and slow <laughs> approach to logs, or do you have a quick method, or do you, what do you do with it? And um, yeah, what, what's your what, what's the general sort of track approach to lager brewing, basically? Um, yeah, so so that uh, Arosa was one of my homebrew. Well, that was my homebrew lager. Um, so that's where that recipe came from. Um, finally cracked the beer which my dad would drink. You know, <laughs> yes. I figured that if I could do a beer that he wanted, then it's like, oh yeah, the, you know, I, I've. I've, I've crossed the crossed the line in here. Um, so yeah, um, Arasa is pretty low and slow. Um, we use uh, an Ainga box strain of yeast, and we ferment at eight degrees, and it takes forever. Um, but you get this real clean fermentation. Wow, that's, eight! Yeah, wow, yeah. that's low. That's a fucking ice yeah, it, bock. <laughs> yeah. It's probably about two weeks fermenting, and then we lager for five at the minute. Um, uh, Mate, yeah, that is, then, that is the, dedication the, to the course. It's not bad. It's not bad, is it? But um, yeah, we we do. We have another lager called Vale, which is the other end of the spectrum. So it, it's That's all good. all uh, English uh, ingredients, and we lager. Well, we ferment that a bit warmer. It ferments out in a week, and then we lager that for like three, four weeks at a minute, um, and predominantly sell it in Mate. the tap room. But uh, there's, there's been a few cans out and about. Yeah, that's another reason that we have to go to your tap room. I I, I love that there's <laughs> yeah. a, a proper nod to traditional <laughs> lager to brewing though with that uh, a rose yeah, recipe. No I none, none I mean I, uh, I've obviously drunk it. Sure. I know that it's a I super super stuff. clean lager. But I was, you know, I was thinking there was going to be a like we 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 cut the time down a little bit somewhere. No, it seems yeah, like you... no old school. Well, I did cut it down because you know, for for me, German lagers probably need to be like eight weeks. But you know, we did actually do that with the first batch, and then, uh, well, that was the joy of lockdown, wasn't it? That you could just leave things in tank. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Since then, we've come down to a more sensible level. Um, but yeah, super happy with it. And then, like you say, we 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 spin off that a little bit. So we do a lager called Moxie, which is um, ultimately it's a citra dry hopped version of a Rossa. And um, yeah. 
yeah. We, so we what, what's your sort of like dry on. hopping um, quantity for those sort of like hoppy lagers? Do you, it seems like they're fairly modest, I guess, in terms of dry hopping. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. So we'll 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 complete lagering. We'll you know we'll, we'll get the lager lagered, and then what we'll do is we add the dry hop to a different tank and transfer a portion of it into that. So then you add in the the sort of dry hop in there and it's pretty small. Let me just check my numbers. Hold on one sec. Um, Hold up a sec. He's got a bucket at the side of him that's got all the recipes in. Somebody hack a camera somewhere. Somebody hack that camera. We've got to be able Um, to see this book. Chris, he's like this. (laughs) Just about uh, just over three grams a litre um, dry hop on it. Um, I would just, you know, yeah, dry hop it for right. like, well, we just leave it yeah. in there for like two, three, four days and then try and carbonate it and package it. I've got to say, I think that the fact that you're taking that kind of care over your yes. lagers, doing yeah. it legit, I mean, clearly you are almost adhering to the Reinheitsgebot, which is good. Um, <laughs> but the uh, just the way in which you're you're doing things, it kind of it makes me it makes me trust in the British well, it does make me happy, but it also makes me trust in the fact that there are still some people who are willing to do lagers from a what is essentially a very craft craft beer because there's a lot of them that aren't quite craft a very craft craft beer brewery who are still willing to do lagers the legit way and that that makes me very happy it's very cool how it's almost like it's a portion that's dry hot so it's proper lagered and then there's a certain section that goes it gets dry hot so it's and then that then gets added back into the bar that's i like it mm. you're doing things right matt you're doing things the right way, mate. That's why I'm going to keep buying track beers. Oh, so what about tanks? Uh, do you dedicate tanks to lagering? No, no. At the minute, we, I mean, they're all the same shape, you know, dimensions. So, um, no, we don't dedicate it. But um, by the nature of it, yeah, there's generally one in there at all times. I mean, at five weeks of pop, you've got to have one in there at all times, really, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's pretty what I was much. thinking, because uh, Jimmy was telling us he's got a dedicated tank for Lycanon now. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. So, I Very mean, cool. we, we we don't make that much of it. We we just try and service the tap room and do some cans to go out. Um, so I'm surprised again, you don't make uh, that much we'll, of it, to be honest, because I've, I've fucking slammed that beer all day, to be honest. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I would have thought we, that would have been one that you tap, could ship out to, to pubs and stuff like that. Quite on a, you, you can do, but, the, but I mean, Lager has that tap sort tap of like perception on the bar, doesn't it? That it's going to cost this amount of money, and it and it doesn't cost yeah, that amount of money. Yeah. It generally costs a lot more. No, <laughs> so so no, it fucking doesn't cost anywhere it, near that amount of money. Yeah, it, it's a very competitive market. So basically, we just service the tap room. And then um, and get some cans on the online shop, and um, yeah, as with everything on the bar, it's like like I said, it's like a big brew pub, and um, if we can't do a good job with the style, then we shouldn't be doing the style, basically, you know. 
So if we're not going to make a decent lager, then why why are we doing them? Um, so at the end of the podcast, normally these four guys or these three guys are almost asleep, which let's face it, they are at the moment. No, I'm not normally, um, but today it seems I'm being dipped. Yeah, everybody's been dipping aside from me. <laughs> I, feel, I, I definitely feel how Owen feels normally. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that I will ask is, do you have any uh, plans to release a medicine? Just, just say um, no, 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 no. It's not on schedule. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, I'll well. stick to Cloudwater then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They got you. That's all right. I'm joking, mate. I'm joking. I will be over there. To be fair, it is the best beer in the world. I will come over there. Chris, I must say, Chris, I must say that I love how you're now pronouncing it. Oh, well, yeah. what can Me- I say? Medicine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck off with your beard. No, it's born and bred Bavarian now. All right. Yeah. No, no, that's it. Oh, we got a cat appearing in the pod. Oh my! There's yes. another one. Nice, piss, nice pussy, man. <laughs> that, that, I'm not being funny. That ain't a small cat. It's just <laughs> very close. Nice. This is that's like a, a father Ted moment. Like He's just very close to the camera, Chris. Perspective, Perspective right? mate. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Right, Matt. That, I think those sheep point, are far away. I'm going to ask you: Would you be willing to spend 20 minutes and come into the after party so that people who haven't had a chance to ask you a question would be able to ask you a question? You don't have to go anywhere. Just literally yeah. sit where you are. All good. All good. Yeah. Excellent. Right. In that case. Um, yeah, let's not talk about my love for cats, Brett. We've been trying to get yeah, rid of you for let's, months. Let's shut that one down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, no right, so no what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a huge thank you, Matt, for joining us because Thanks. this has been really cool. Hearing... A, a massive thank you for the Dipper mate. Deluxe box that got <laughs> no sent out as well, mate. No worries. Um, I'm still trying to my, wake my way through the Green Lantern. You, you, you've this literally is a hefty out, beer. I, I flew uh, through let's just say for a minute, no you've bother. outdone all of our guests so far by that stroke of generosity. So thank you very much, sir. <laughs> mate, superb. No, Cheers to you, mate. Right. Set the bench. Cheers and to the track. The benchmark's been set. And just yeah, thank it. the thank <laughs> yeah. the lady. I, I don't know a name. I didn't actually get a name, but there's a lady who answered the phone for me when I phoned up yesterday. And she's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Evie. Evie Schlupp. Is that what her yeah. name is? Well, tell her thank you very much because yeah, yeah. my wife loves the T-shirt. I don't fit into a large. <laughs> oh, amazing. But um, <laughs> there needs to be like three X's in front of that one. Um but thank you for coming on. Thank you for being as open as you have been. And thank you for dropping the chunks of knowledge that you have, specifically around dry hopping, whirlpooling, amounts, and all that kind of stuff, because that's really going to help a lot of people to progress that's their beers, because that, yeah, that's been yeah. really, really good. And um, I've got to say, there's, there's, there's going to be a lot of people well. watching or listening to this that are watching because they want to recreate your beers because they're fucking awesome. And that's basically <laughs> why I'm myself and everyone else is really excited about having you on, mate. But so, just, uh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, by a lot of boys, yeah. by them. Total fanboy moment there. No but worries. Thank you. Thank fun. you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for that for like two hours now. Um, so thank you. And this is the Hop Edition, episode 49. It is in the bag. We've all had a few dippers. Uh, some some of them had a few more dippers than we have. Uh, Matt's been amazing. Thank you very much, Matt. You're a superstar. And we're going to go with an after party for about 25, 30 minutes because it is a Wednesday. It is a school night. Well, it's not. Schools are on holiday, but people have to work. Um, schools are back tomorrow. Yeah, not in the rest of the civilised world. For the or not. Come on. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to open this up now to the rest of the after party. And thank you very much. We really appreciate you coming on. And this is dream come true for Tricky. Uh, so yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to fire it up. Thanks very much. Hop edition episode forty nine in the bag. Thanks to our patrons. Thanks to our sponsor Brewcake Tap. And we will catch you on the bye, next cheers. episode. Say bye bye, people. Good night. Cheers, bye.